live, and it's your show. You bring up whatever you want, toll free at 800-259-9231. That's the packet 8.net toll free line for you. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com where all the features are completely free. You know, those other radio talk show hosts that want to charge you five, six, seven bucks a month for their websites. We give it away at freetalklive.com because darn it, that's the way a good talk show website should be. Free. Sure. So then, uh, still to come, the New Jersey governor. You Mm -hmm. might have heard that last week he got in uh, in a, a bit of a car wreck. In fact, oh, uh, a bad car wreck. I guess it was so bad that he's had to have what surgery three times or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he's in pretty bad shape, from what I can tell. Well, you know, I, I normally would feel bad for anyone getting in a car wreck, but he is the governor of New Jersey, and so it's hard for me to really. I know you don't deep, like New Jersey, and you deep don't. And, you don't like anybody. Certainly called a governor, right? But uh, you know, it, it's a shame to see somebody hurt. I, so I mean I feel bad for the guy. It's it's a shame, but when that that somebody is someone who spends his life harming others in the name of helping them, I, I'm it's not really so sure hard he for sees me. it that way. I under, I don't care how he sees. it. I understand. I'm talking about reality. Okay. And the reality is these people, government people, are dangerous, whether they know it or not. And they reality is they are harming others in many in many cases harming those who they intend to help. And so it's really hard for me to dig deep into my heart and find a little piece of caring to give this guy, because I don't. But <laughs> the story is interesting. I don't know if you've had a chance to pull it up yet, Mark. If you have, we'll jump into it. Otherwise, I'll give you a quick update on the Virginia Tech shooter. This is from uh, Radley Balco. I like him. As you might yeah, guess. Yeah, from theagitator.com. Mm-hmm. Um, as you might guess, I'm not going to criticize... Uh, New Jersey Governor John Corzine for choosing not to wear a seatbelt and find the suggestion um, from one of his aides that he be issued a citation for not buckling up uh, back when Corzine was uh, fighting for his life. Mind-boggling. Who thinks like that? I do wish Corzine the best and hope he recovers in full. I thought like that. I thought that he should absolutely have a fine. That's because you don't like um, New Jersey and you don't like governors. Right. Well, I mean, if you, if if your claim is, as the government person, that... You citizens must wear seatbelts. It's the law. You know how they have those bumper stickers? It's the law. Well, you can't give the governor a uh, citation for not wearing a seatbelt because he was a passenger. You would give the uh, the citation to the driver. Isn't that correct? Um, I don't believe that to be the case. I, I don't, don't think it, that adult I bet you every state's different in some, um, to some extent. But that's a good question. If you know better than us on this one, 800-259-9231. how can you give somebody a moving violation? I assume it's a moving violation. I don't know. But um, how can you give somebody a moving violation that's not driving? It's the government, Mark. They can write tickets to whoever the hell they want to. Yeah, well, I don't think that that's if it's a, If it's a child that is under your purview, someone who's under 18 that does not have their seatbelt on, then yes, that would definitely go to the driver of the car. A New Jersey listener can tell us. Let me go on. All right. The SUV carrying uh, Governor John Corzine was traveling about 91 miles per hour moments before it crashed. Oh, well, that's okay. They were in a 95-mile-an-hour zone. Yep, the chief cop says here. The governor was critically injured when the vehicle crashed into a guardrail on the Garden State Parkway just north of Atlantic City last week. He apparently was not wearing a seatbelt as he rode in the front passenger seat. The speed limit along that stretch of the highway is... 65 miles an hour. Hmm. The state um, trooper-driven sport utility vehicle was in the uh, left lane with its emergency lights flashing when a pickup tried to get out of its way. It had their emergency lights on. Oh, yeah. Of course. Instead, instead it set off a chain reaction, which resulted in the crash. Was the governor uh, responding to uh, a fire? I think think that uh, there was a, uh, um, a, a baby caught in a tree. 
Corzine was, <laughs> Corzine was late for a meeting. He wanted to eat the baby. <laughs> Corzine was late for a meeting between, guess who, Don Imus and the Rutgers women's university basketball team. Uh-huh. So it was a big photo op. Mm. So his driver um, crushed him, uh, excuse me, rushed him, rushed him through traffic. <laughs> <laughs> He'll crush him later in the story. Hold on. <laughs> so his driver rushed him through traffic at ridiculously high speeds and caused a serious accident. When you live in the D.C. area, this kind of thing happens all the time. Not the accident. The VIP is taking taking over the road. Thank goodness no one else got hurt. Yeah. I don't know that no one else did, but he's the one who's getting the press. No innocent people got hurt that and, I know of. And just from a personal observation, I say it's happening more frequently. He's saying that uh, VIPs rushing through traffic is hap- happening more frequently. Well, we, had a, know. We, had, we had a story not three weeks ago about a, uh, a city bureaucrat, um, one of the elected officials in a city... Uh, like a, a commissioner, something mm-hmm. like that, um, someone or a city council member who was doing the exact same thing, except she didn't have a driver because she wasn't a governor. She uh, was in a city vehicle with the emergency lights, using her emergency lights, zipping through traffic at 100 miles an hour, got pulled over, and the state trooper didn't ticket her. Well, I would imagine not. She's she a used, VIP. Well, she used the, do you know who I am? I'm the city commissioner. Yeah. All right. There seems to be an increasing feeling among politicians that their meetings, their business, and their appointments are somehow more important than everyone else's. Mm. Therefore, we, um, they can fly down highways, ignore red lights, and purge everyone else um, to the side of the, the roadway. If they get their own police escort or caravan, even better. I get caught in a caravan in D- um, D.C. about every two weeks. Yeah. When it's the uh, president or vice president, it's merely annoying. They shut down all the streets in the uh, uh, on the route a good uh, three or four minutes before the caravan arrives, and I'll concede that there is probably good security reasons for the president and vice president to travel like this, though they do tend to abuse um, abuse it. Bush has shut down cities in the past during rush hour in order to attend political fundraisers. Mm-hmm. When it's not Bush or Cheney, it gets downright crazy. Um, you glance in your rearview mirror to see a limo or three or, um, or three or four barreling down on you, um, flashing their lights. When you're already in freeway traffic moving at freeway speeds, everyone's scrambling to get out of the way. It's not difficult to see how this can be pretty dangerous. I mean, cars are yeah. traveling 70 is the uh, top speed limit that I know of in the United States, and uh, let's assume people uh, exceed that by nine miles an hour, which is uh, generally what I do. Um, you know, 79 Scott miles an hour? Law. 79 miles an hour? Mm. Those cars are careening. And, and, and at that speed, you just the reaction times are so small. Yeah. You have these little cushions between cars, and it, it's over in a flash. Let's see. Um, increasingly, lesser-ranking officials, um, public officials, seem to think that they should have, um, shouldn't have to obey traffic laws either. Why was Governor Corzine's meeting that day more important than the meetings of everyone else on the road? That's why an was it, excellent question. Why was it so important that he had to endanger everyone else on the road? Because he's an elected official? Nice deal. He's absolutely right. Still, um, you should, uh, you really should wear your seatbelt. Who's belt. right? Um, it, it's a nice deal. To be, oh. uh, I guess that Corzine's supposedly saying that. I, I don't know. I, I don't quite get the writing uh, that he's yeah. doing here. But it, it's a column, and you know, columns yeah, and yeah, radio, yeah. a little okay. different. Did you ever notice how uh, often the words... Unrestrained passenger turn up in trauma. Life in the ER is just before everything, um, something turns really messy. Um, in conclusion, you have three or four uh, sub 
in, in collision, you have three or four sub-collisions all taking place in sequence. Anyway, he goes on to talk about how great it is to wear seatbelts. But uh, I like the point on, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting how the public officials just think they're so much more important. Right. They've got meetings to attend to. And you little people, who cares about your meetings? You know, sure, this, you may be heads of industry and people who are making real important decisions in the world. Uh, but, you know, we're just going to shut down the roads because we can. And in this case, um, it happened to be the governor that got injured in one of these, uh, you know, limo chases down the the freeway. But how often have normal people been hurt in these, trying to get out of the way, and uh, it just never gets reported on national news? Why would it? Who are they? Why would it? I mean, I I can't see, you know, why anybody would report that. There's accidents every day in America. They don't don't report them. How many people have been hurt? Because of some meeting that's probably not even, it doesn't even have as much press as the Imus thing going down. Right. How many people have been hurt because some city commissioner, like the woman you were talking about, or, um, you know, even a governor? Well, I haven't been physically hurt. I've never been physically harmed, but I remember the time where we were stuck on the island when the, uh, when I think it was at the time, was it Al Al Gore? was in town. It was during like the 2000 campaign or something like that, and they just shut down. We used to work out on uh, a little island called Longboat Key in Florida, or I guess it was almost Longboat Key where we were. Mm-hmm. But uh, they they shut the entire area down because old Al was um, he was staying at a resort on the island and then going to the airport or something like that. And so they they just they made it so you you could not actually leave. We were technically quarantined. Because of Al Gore. And I'll tell you, being trapped on an island with you was one of the most mentally damaging thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> 800-259-9231. You could have walked. Uh, that is the Packet 8.net till free line. 1-800-259-9231. Do government people deserve privilege? Shouldn't they have to uh, drive on the same roads that we do in the same ways that we do? Is that radical to suggest that? More come up. Free Talk Live. Talk Live, it's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the packet 8.net toll-free line for you, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are completely free, including the bulletin board system. We've got over 210,000 posts, over 1,300 people interacting, lots of different topics, serious issues, fun stuff. You'll find it all discussed, and it's all free at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs. FreeTalkLive.com and the Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival, better known as Porkfest, is June 18th through the 24th. At Porkfest, you'll be able to talk with New Hampshire natives and those who've made the move, as well as tour New Hampshire on special Free State Project bus tours or on your own. Register today at Porkfest.com. That's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T.com as we go to the phones and to the fun. Ladies first, it's Gordana in California. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, Gordana. Hi, how are you? Great. What's on your mind? I am calling in regards of the telephone call that was made yesterday but by one of your listeners about copyrights and photography. Yes, and uh, you he was very concerned about uh, how he might make money in a uh, free market as a photographer. That's right, and you mentioned indirectly my website, and I'm the one who took pictures of the um, New, uh, New Hampshire Liberty Forum. Mm-hmm. And I have a comment, but before I start, I would like to ask you questions. Um, sure. You said that you were wondering how, uh, who would pay for... And you mentioned, for example, my photographs, and I, first of all, thank you for the compliments, but you're wondering who would pay for something like that. And I was wondering, what, what did you base on your, uh, your opinion on? How did you come up to an idea that people wouldn't possibly want to pay for? Well, I don't, I don't know much. I mean, I, I plead ignorance about the, uh, the photo- photograph industry. 
Um, okay. I know that there are certain types of photos that make more money than others. I know that much. I know uh, industrial photos, like advertising photos, those will get paid for, obviously, of products and models and that sort of thing. I know that there are news, news photos, photos. Um, that uh, newspapers and uh, television stations, for instance, might pay for, uh, for a, a freelancer. If but, it bleeds, it leads. But the, but the artsy-style photos... I just, you know, I personally just don't know how you could make money on those. And I would love to be uh, told how you could. That's right. And that's why I'm calling. You also said that you would like to hear a situation where uh, something uh, what against what you said happened. And I'm an example. And I even don't work as a professional or full-time photographer. Mm-hmm. I have my steady full-time job, but I do work uh, photography from time to time and not even part-time. And I have had several exhibits and I've sold many photographs. Um, I'm tending, I'm going in a way now to become a professional photographer. Great. So I was just calling to let the listener who called yesterday that not to be that I want him to be courage and to just keep going because there is a, a profit in this type of industry. So you just but of do... course, as everything else in life, there are people who like it and who would buy. Uh, photographs that have artistic value for them, and others who wouldn't. Same for car or anything else in life. Right. So it's just called to let you know. <laughs> uh, no, uh, totally. Okay, so basically what you're saying is you sell photos in the same way that uh, a paint artist would sell his paintings, in that you have a gallery and you put up a bunch of photos and you throw a little shindig and all the people that are really into buying Cheese photos. Cheese and wine. Right. All the people that are really into buying photos will show up, mill around, and maybe... To get a little drunk and buy something. That's how it works. <laughs> yeah, but also, you know, I, I can't compare myself with somebody who is a painter because I usually deal with people on the, uh, who are in photography business or uh, have serious hobby as myself. But we mm-hmm. sometimes put together um, exhibits and we spread a word about our work and we communicate. And there is a lot of way you could get money in this business and again i'm not even professional and i don't work full-time i don't have my own studio but i have to say for sure that i put a lot of love and work in what i'm doing and also um i would like to reflect you you were saying about copyright issues and photographs that are on the website yeah that's what and i, I really next. agree yeah i agree with you um for example my photographs there are low quality they're uh, they're nice if you want to go there and see them but mm-hmm. if somebody wants to steal them oh well they're there for anybody, if they want to do that, they can do it. But I don't think they could sell them because, again, in order to sell them, uh, most of them should be printed and right. quality would be low. So right, because no you, can't, you can't take a web photo right. and, and print it out, even on a professional printer. There's nothing you can do. Garbage in, garbage out. Web photos just are not of the resolution. They look good on your web browser, but once you go into the print world, it's completely different. Um, you could never make a, a professional print of a web photo. It's just impossible. I agree look like with you. crap. That's right. Right. So, um so so it is possible to make money and yes, it is. uh and is it something where you could be okay, if you're going into you you say you're moving into the professional realm of photography at this point. Um I'm, I'm just, working towards that. I'm putting my time into attending some seminars and classes. Do you feel like you could make uh an actual income by itself, without having to work as a waitress or anything else like that on the side, could you sell photos without going to, without selling them to news agencies, without selling them to uh, to advertising agencies? Could you just sell arts artistic photos and actually make a living? I doubt it. What I would probably do in that case, I would start doing uh, 
family portraits or weddings. things like that. That's another I'm one. not though, so interesting in doing wedding photographs. <laughs> yeah. What's wrong with weddings? <laughs> I'm really not. <laughs> what's wrong with weddings? <laughs> Nothing They're is wrong with weddings, wrong with but them. I'm not interested in doing photography, yeah. wedding photography. Right. They're just boring. I agree. <laughs> right. And and the other problem is when you're dealing with weddings, uh, you've got some very demanding clientele in those uh, in that particular case. If you're on a news, if you're shooting a news uh, location, then you just have to take the best photos of whatever's there, whatever you can get. But if you're on a if you're on a wedding shoot, then there's somebody who you know the dad or the parents of one the bride or whatever who hired you that are going to have a list of demands, and if you don't meet their demands, they are going to be livid. And, well, not just those demands. You probably have the demands of uh, quite a few people. You probably have a whole bunch of chiefs and one little Indian in that particular instance. But so. you know what I also think is, is it's in wedding photography, although, again, I don't have experience, but I do hear from other professionals who do that type of work. It's, it's if you can control the situation pretty much like in every part of life, but you, if you have a portfolio that talks about your work and it's high-quality work, you can tell those people. You will tell them what they want from you. You will basically they they don't people usually don't know mm-hmm. what type of photography they want but if you tell them this is great for you in in very simple language right. it will re- it really work here's but what i'm going to do and i'll take a percentage up front thank you very much is that how it works <laughs> yeah. with the wedding do you get do you actually get cash up front or do you have to wait until they're satisfied with the photos I'm not sure. I believe they do pay something up, up front. You sign, they sign contract with you, and it's like everything stated in the contract. I would think so. I can't, imagine, yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine they'd hold your money till after the wedding. That's just right. not going to work. Yeah. I guess yeah. being a wedding photographer might be, I don't know. What, what's better, to be a wedding photographer or the wedding DJ? Oh, God, none. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not much, much into weddings in general, but you mentioned previously uh photojournalism or documentary photography, mm-hmm. that's something what I really like. And I do believe um, there, there are certain moments in the entire world, for example, Katrina, big events like that, I mean, catastrophes that happened like that one, that's something where, it, where it's usually big money. And if you link with some big Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, yes. unfortunately, course, unfortunately the tragedy leads, leads to making a name for yourself and, uh, and big money. But now yeah. as, as, you know what bugs me? Uh, there's been all this coverage of the Virginia Tech thing. Yeah. And I don't know. I find the um, morning photos to be a little bit, a little cheesy, a little pandering. Too much. And why is it that everyone wears the flipping Virginia Tech sweatshirts? What's with that? <laughs> why? What's with college kids? Don't they have their own sweatshirts they can wear? Is, is Virginia Tech actually paying these kids to wear the sweatshirts in front of the cameras? I don't know. But, uh, Gordana, thanks for the call. We appreciate hearing from you. Your calls are on the way about whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you bring up what you want. Toll free at 800-259-9231. That's the packet, 8.net toll free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, where all the features are completely free. And that does include live streams, a broadband version of the show, and a dial-up version. Both wait for you completely free at freetalklive.com. The Republican Liberty Caucus welcomes new members in pursuit of individual rights, limited government, and free enterprise principles all within the GOP. Visit rlc.org and click join us today. We'll find liberty together. That's rlc.org. 
as we go to the phones and talk to Frank in New York. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, Frank. Hi, how are you doing, guys? Great. What's on your mind? <laughs> yeah, uh, I just wanted to say that, you know, you have to realize the reason why I'm this, or I'm sorry, why the governor was racing was for that photo opportunity with Imus, his wife, and uh, the uh, basketball team from Rutgers. I have a feeling the governor races around wherever he goes. Yeah, but you know, it's really sad. We have so many people that don't have health insurance or they have inadequate health insurance. Mm-hmm. And even though the governor is a good man. Uh, I don't you know, know him, do you? Really, he didn't set a good example by speeding. Right. And on the other hand, you know, his medical insurance is being taken care of by the taxpayers of New Jersey. Mm-hmm. So in a sense, you know, it is tragic. But on the other hand, uh, I would feel so much worse for the people that were innocent bystanders you know, in a car that he might have clipped and that had no health insurance. Yeah, that would be- it would be just not only a draconian nightmare, but uh, something beyond that. But I wanted to say something else. Sure. I had the opportunity to read uh, Sung Hee Cho's uh, play that was posted on the Internet. Mm, wasn't that a joy? You oh, know, what oh, I can't understand, if, if a sixth grader, when I was in grade school, turned in something like that, as simple and as poorly written you would get a big F for it, but this is an English department at one of the better universities in the United States. And to think that that actually passed and got a grade is beyond me. Hmm, I wow. mean, uh, but also I wanted to say this. This is something the media hasn't been saying. Um, if you look at the issues in the um, play, he talks about being molested by his stepfather. He talks Uh-oh. about the pedophile priests in the Catholic Church. He's actually restating basically what the pop culture has been saying through the news media for the past four years. And if you look at it in the context of, I think Quentin Tarantino is a brilliant filmmaker, and I did see Grindhouse, and I thought that was quite fun and humorous, in the context of the exploitive, uh, violent American pop cultural Mm -hmm. film experience. But if you look at his work in place in that context, it, it does have a certain resonance. Sadly, it's a sad, sick, freaky resonance. But we have to really question, uh, number one, I think the standards that would have allowed the student to stay in an English program with yeah. such poor quality work. And I can't go beyond that. Has, has he been maybe flunked out of the program? He would have gone elsewhere, uh, done something else, but uh, it probably wouldn't have had the tragic uh, effects that his existence in staying in the program saw. So I would say this. You know, when I heard Nikki Giovanni, the great poet, talk about starting with a class of 35 students, and by the time it's over, only seven students remain, meaning that she actually, uh, you know, I guess... uh, The class was so challenging that uh, only a certain percentage could get through it, is what you're saying. Exactly. And and looking at that work, I mean, it's it's beyond me. Maybe it has has something to do, Frank, with this sort of mentality that has infected uh, the government school system of, well, as long as you turn in a paper, you're a winner. You're a winner, and we don't fail winners. You know what I mean? That could be true. Or maybe because it's quote-unquote creative writing, anything goes. Hmm. Uh, but needless yeah, to including say, including bad English and poor composition. <laughs> absolutely, and I would say this: that an English department uh, at a university, 
uh, should have higher standards. I and think that, that what he should what, what, I think what somebody blocked, should turn in is a bunch of like Uggs and grunts, <laughs> just uh, scribbles on the paper, and see how that does. Hey, well, it's dialogue, art, man. But I will say this: his uh, what, what do we call it? The slug line when you're writing a play, you have the name in the center, and then the dialogue below, and different things. I mean, those were you know they had the proper margins, but outside of that. My God, if this is what uh, English departments are producing in this it's country, sad, man. we Polish. really, we really have sort of, we are at the end of the empire. We are beyond decline. I think you're right, Frank. Great call, thanks, thanks man. Appreciate it. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. I have not ha- actually had a chance to take a look at this. Um, did you see what he was referring to the the play? I have. I've read excerpts. I didn't. I wasn't going to go all the way through it. It wasn't. It wasn't good. I read excerpts from what he said on his tapes, and I saw some of the clips from mm-hmm. him from them today, but I haven't actually read the play. Uh, but I could imagine how awful it was based on just how disjointed and uh, weird the uh, the video clips were. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was just bad. <laughs> just I, bad. You know, I, I feel sorry for the guy. He was clearly disturbed, and it was bad. And and once again, echoes of Columbine are coming back here. Uh, Dylan, uh, Dylan and Eric, the two killers in Columbine, mm-hmm. were known to have been picked on in their high school. Right, it's already coming out that... Uh this uh, gentleman he was, was also bullied somehow, uh, harassed, and of course, not only I mean, it, it, with the with the Columbine killers, who were they were white middle class American kids. This guy was somebody who moved here from another country, and so you can imagine that that sort of xenophobic hatred also played in as a factor. In fact, I've got the story on that, but we've got to keep going to the calls here. We'll get to it here in a moment. Uh, the first, let's go to Matt in Illinois. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, Matt. Good evening, guys. Hey, you're on the amplifier line. What's on your mind? Uh, first off, just real quick, I was an English major. I graduated in 84 with an English degree from the University of Illinois. Okay. And, yeah, that guy was, was a bad, bad writer. I don't think you need an English degree to figure that out. He was no. awful. <laughs> no. No, but uh, he was not only a bad writer, but the characters in that play had no depth. Yeah. It was all surface. And you really didn't know whether the kid was being sexually molested or not, or whether he was just accusing the dad. Of right, the characters people. had so little depth, you didn't even know, they had so little depth, you weren't, you weren't even sure who was talking about what at given times, because it was just, you, uh, there was no characterization at all. I mean, mm-hmm. you didn't have an idea of what the character would say. I mean, it was just a messed up, messed up nonsense. Exactly. I mean, okay, well, anyway, the reason for my call. Um, yes, sir. I... I had uh, I listened to a show earlier this week, and you had a woman call in from Montana talking about robes. Yes. And she played a game that my kids play all the time called What If. She was saying, what if the man at the end of the street doesn't let us go through? What if Joe was smoking his pot and doesn't go out and fix the potholes in the street and that kind of stuff? Right. And What If is a fun game to play, so I thought I'd like to play along. Okay, sure. So I got a few What Ifs myself. What if the roads were taken care of by the free market and they were available to all and well taken care of? It would be amazing, wouldn't it? And um, yeah. I would imagine that if, if that was the case, if they were taken care of by the free market, that they would be so much better. Right. You know, I mean, the, it's the government that we're talking about here, so they're going to pay four times as much as they need to for shoddy work. And then neglect it. Because the contractor doesn't have any reason to uh, do to put the best quality materials into the road. 
because if it if it messes up 20 years from now, who cares? And the government doesn't have any incentive to really care at all about how well the roads are kept up, about how well the traffic control devices are functioning, about uh, innovating and creating new and more effective uh, traffic uh, control devices, that sort of thing. No, there's no incentive to uh, to change anything. Right. They, they don't they don't lose anything. The government doesn't lose anything if there's a traffic jam. That, they sure uh, so won't you, take a risk. Keeps you home. Um, it keeps you away from home for an hour. Right. That's that's an so excellent what question. What if the roads were privatized and they were still all accessible and the world didn't come to a standstill? Well, we'd all get somewhere faster. Well, I think. I'll tell you, this privatization, this privatization, real privatization. I don't mean mercantilism. Real privatization. Um, it, it seems to work every time we try it. I don't understand what the big fear is, but you know. Well, it's fear of the unknown, sure. of course. And uh, Matt, any other thoughts? Oh, he's got some more questions. I think. What if, what if people took on personal responsibility for their lives and took care of things the way they were supposed to be taken care of? It'd be a wonderful world. Well, that's where we've got to go to. I mean, it, we've got to get people back into the mindset of taking care of themselves and their own business first. And then if there's someone that needs help taking care of others on a voluntary basis, it's a total paradigm shift that we have to uh, we have to help affect here in this country. And it's a, it's a major undertaking. Thanks for, uh, for playing that game. We appreciate it, Matt. 800-259-9231. What if the American people could come to an understanding of what liberty is? What would that do? Your call's about anything. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You bring up what you want. Toll free. 800-259-9231. That's the packet 8.net toll free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. All the features are free. Uh, we do ask you the, uh, that you voluntarily support the show by buying some stuff from us at, uh, at amazon.freetalklive.com. 40 categories of products. And whenever you order through amazon.freetalklive.com, a percentage of the sale goes to Free Talk Live. And we've got a bunch of listeners out there that are actually taking part in this. They're trying to make it uh, like their shopping habit. Whenever they want to do online shopping, they have to remember to go to Amazon.freetalklive.com because then they, they, they get bummed out if they don't remember to – if they just go and shop at Amazon regular, then they'll get bummed out if they complete the sale and they've forgotten to go through Amazon.freetalklive.com because, well, I mean, if you don't go through that link, then the percentage that we would get just all goes to Amazon. Sure. I mean, you know, they feel like they did the advertising at that point and uh, managed to get you into the, in their door to buy right. their stuff. Um, why would they think it anything otherwise? Whereas, um, you know, if we if you go through Amazon.freetalklive.com, then uh, we get credit for bringing you along. They may not have very well made that purchase if it wasn't for you know maybe they would. Exactly but who knows? right. So, um, great way to support the show and get the products that you need. That's Amazon.freetalklive.com. So we talk. Uh, we were talking about uh, this sung. Uh, this this gentleman who <laughs> shot up the um, I don't know if gentleman's the right word but the guy who shot up Virginia Tech Chung Sung I don't know is it Sung Hui I've never actually heard it pronounced I don't watch television I I've heard it today and I didn't pay much attention well according to the AP long before he snapped Virginia Tech gunman Cho Sung Hui was picked on pushed around and laughed at over his shyness and the strange way he talked when he was a schoolboy in the Washington suburbs see now th- this is this is something I don't understand. There's an agenda here. As far as I can tell, people, they're, they're trying to crack down on bullies. And this is a way it's done. Are, are, the chances are good that some weirdo um, out there, that somebody that would do this sort of thing, 
was picked on. There's a very good chance that that's the case. You know, they're weird, therefore weird people are picked on. That's sure. how school is. But I don't think anybody, I just can't imagine that anybody has walked away from the public school system without some scars of bullying. Well, I mean, the popular kids probably don't get it very often, but well, who know? What, but, but but were the popular I kids got some of it? Were the popular kids popular all the time? No, eh, I guess not. And you never know whether um, you never know um, whether which class they're in and who they're being um, surrounded by any given time. No, I agree everybody's with you, been made fun of and everybody's been bullied in some okay, respect. But and some they people don't are more go vulnerable around than shooting others. people. Some people are more vulnerable than others, and some people so, get bullied more than others. That's a fact. There and are some, some people. Some people are soft in the head and are going to crack and shoot people. Okay, yes, but and the, you can't prevent the world from bullying people. I don't think anyone's trying to prevent the world. Oh, from I bullying think they people. are. I think absolutely. That's why. That's the agenda here. Somewhere hidden in here, they're well, going to do something about bullies. I think that uh, first of all, the government people can talk all they want about doing something about bullies, but the reality is, um, in many cases, some in. in like, for instance, in the case of this cheerleader um, story we talked about a few months ago, the bullies in that case were uh, connected to the principal of the school. Uh, so oh, in many not, cases, they're pro- the bullies are protected by the government I'm school. I'm not saying that they're going to be successful in cracking down on bullies any more than they're successful in cracking down on drugs. As a matter of fact, I think when they do crack down on bullies, that they're probably going to create more bullies. But I do believe that there's going to be a lot, a lot of kids hurt in this process. How? In the cracking, uh, b- b- they're thrown in some kind of uh, bad kids' school yeah. because they're bullies. You know, they, they get labeled bullies, uh, bullied by one um, by one incident or whatever, and off they go. I, I would I just, certainly rather see the bully situation handled on a private school level. Like if we could get the government out of schools and have the marketplace handling schools, I think then you'd see a much more compassionate approach to handling the bully situation instead of what the government might do, like a zero tolerance. Uh, or just completely ignore the problem. That seems to be what happens with government schools. Like if someone comes in and claims something about another student, then it's it's marginalized. There's not really any evidence. Uh, they don't, they're not going to do anything about it, especially if that person is I don't know if that's true in the, in the age of zero tolerance. I, I think that things could change. Well, now, now do you think that if, I think d- if, zero, do you think, think bullying is pretty ab- abhorrent? I mean, do you think that if I go into um, the school office, you and I are in high school, and I say that Ian kid's weird, and I think he's uh, and he's been writing, you know, showing me, uh, uh, he's been talking to me about dangerous things and uh, stuff he he would like to do, and and I'm you know I'm scared that he's going to do something bad. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't think that they're going to pick you up and drag you down to the office and have a talking to and, and, and quite possibly rummage through your locker? I don't know. Maybe. It sounds like it to me. Yeah. I mean, it's not just going to be left alone. If you hit the right buzzwords at the right time, mm-hmm. then that kid's in trouble. I think there certainly should be a little bit more of a process of investigation on allegations of bullying and that sort of thing. Um, and I, I don't trust the government schools to get it right. But uh, nonetheless, let's let's talk about what happened to this. Because, I mean, you would agree, Mark, that, that bullying is a damaging thing. That, yes, even though most people, um, many people are bullied to some extent, that it could really harm those with uh, weak self-esteem. And it can actually physically harm people when a when a bully might actually attack another uh, sure. his victim. And so I take it pretty seriously, and I think it should be taken seriously. But there's no agenda in this article. It's just talking about maybe some of the things that motivated this guy uh, into a killing spree. Mm-hmm. And I think that bullies need to take note that if you push these guys too far, eventually they might blow your head off. Anyway, here's what happened. 
Uh, Chris Davids, a Virginia Tech senior who graduated from Westfield High School in Chantilly, Virginia, with Cho in 2003, recalled the South Korean immigrant almost never opened his mouth and would ignore attempts to strike up a conversation. Once in English class, the teacher had the students read aloud, and when it was Cho's turn, he just looked down in silence, Davids recalled. Very Finally, strange. after the teacher threatened him with an F for participation, Cho started to read in a strange, deep voice that sounded, quote, like he had something in his mouth, unquote, said Davids. As soon as he started reading, the whole class started laughing and pointing and saying, go back to China, which, of course, oh. he's from Korea. Uh, but anyway, the high school classmates' account adds to the psychological portrait that's being uh, beginning to take shape, and it could shed light on Cho's state of mind in the video rant that he mailed to NBC in the middle of his rampage Monday at Virginia Tech. Uh, and then they give you some excerpts from some of the things he said where he uh, sort of attacked rich kids by saying, your Mercedes wasn't enough, you brats. Your golden necklaces weren't enough, you snobs. Your trust funds weren't enough. Your vodka and cognac wasn't enough. All your debaucheries weren't enough. Those weren't enough to fulfill your hedonistic needs. You had everything. It seems that he was, uh, I mean, just based on those words, it seems that he was a little bit upset about the attitudes of his peers, Mm -hmm. um, about the the cavorting, the things that go on on college campuses, uh, that sort of thing. Among the victims of the massacre were two other Westfield High graduates. Uh, both young women graduated from the high school last year. Police, so the two girls that used to go to his high school were two of the victims in this case. Hmm. Uh, let's see, one of the living, um, one of the people that survived said, I just remember he was a shy kid who really didn't want to talk to anybody. I guess a lot of people felt like maybe there was a language barrier. Uh, and then maybe a lot of people were just being mean because that's what kids do uh, in government schools and I'm sure in private schools as well. Quote, there were just some people who were really mean to him, and they would push him down and laugh at him. He didn't speak English really well, and they would make fun of him. Uh, They go on to explain that, again, more excerpts from his videos. There had been some speculation amongst online forums that Cho may have been inspired by the South Korean movie Old Boy. One of the killer's mailed photos shows him brandishing a hammer, the signature weapon of the protagonist, and in a pose similar to one from the film. I'm sure that's going to get people like Jack Thompson all upset uh, and call for regulation of violence in movies because it it really does appear that he was inspired by this particular film. But Jack Thompson doesn't uh, go for movies. He's, he's Jack Thompson's against violence in everything. I see. He remember he got his uh he got his name by attacking Ice Cube back in the 1990s. Okay. For his music. Um so authorities on Thursday disclosed that more than a year in advance of the massacre, he had sent it, uh sent unwanted messages to two women and was taken to a psychiatric hospital on a magistrate's order. So, you know, just just understand that when you're bullying somebody, you could be doing some damage that you don't necessarily see. You may be do- doing more damage than just pushing someone to the ground and making them cry. Uh, you may be doing some permanent psychological uh, changes, and that could really come back to haunt you. I, I can see where you're talking about taking, um, you know, taking the responsibility for what you do by bullying someone, but I also think that people need to take responsibility for themselves being bullied is an excuse for lashing out in a violent fashion. I'm not making excuses for it. Just trying to understand. Let's go to the phones and talk to Tim in Illinois. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, Tim. What's on your mind? Um, well, I had a conversation with my big government-loving Republican father-in-law. 
And uh, I explained a lot of things to him, and it kind of opened up his eyes to libertarianism. Well, you tell us a little bit and, about uh, it. Hang on. We'll get you, get the full story from you here in moments, if you'll hang through the news. 800-259-9231 is the back at 8.net toll-free line for you. 1-800-259-9231. Paul Craig Roberts says, you know what? Maybe banning guns isn't the, the solution here. Maybe we should ban people. We'll talk about that. And uh, Ron Paul also, I believe on something important. <laughs> we'll get to that coming up in hour two. This is Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into hour number two and you can take control of the airwaves full free at 800-259-9231. The packet 8.net toll free line for you. 1 800 259 9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are totally free. That, once again, freetalklive.com. Let's go back to the phone calls because uh, Tim was on the line and he was going to get into a topic, yes. but the, the hour ended, as hours tend to do. What was on your mind? That's all right. Um, well, I, uh, like I said before the break, I had talked to my uh, big government loving uh, Republican father in law about uh, some of the libertarian topics. I don't exactly know what sparked the conversation, but we were both sitting in the kitchen, and uh, he had said something, and uh, we kind of sparked a political conversation. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I kind of took him to school on some of the libertarian issues, and it, it seemed to have opened up his eyes. Excellent. You know, so, if, if people get the concepts of small government, then it, it, it's usually kind of easy to, to, to show them issue by issue how... Uh, you know, they might be going wrong with... Uh, They're missing it here. Yeah, with, with large right. government concepts. Did yeah, you... I, took them to, I took them to school on schools, roads. Uh, actually, I kind of thought of another idea for the schools that... Okay. Uh, I don't know if it's been brought up on your program. I've only been listening for about nine months now, and I don't believe I've heard it. Um, that with the private school system, the government has a lot of regulations on that. So that way the prices are up higher, so families can't afford to put their children in private schools. It's true. So, so a lot of people have to put their kids in public schools, which leads to the indoctrination. Well, if there were no taxes and there was no federal government, then all these regulations would be dropped, and it would be more affordable to put your kids in private schools. So were you talking to him about libertarianism, or were you talking to him about uh, anarcho-capitalism? Uh, a little bit of both. Okay. <laughs> Just want to be clear. <laughs> I'm well, what to, libertarian doesn't want to get the government? Wait, wait a minute. Well, what libertarian doesn't want to get the government out of school? Well, he just said no federal government and you know things like that that cued me into what he's talking about. I think that there's. I think libertarians um, have a tendency to be a little more uh, progress. Uh, you know, uh, incremental than uh, anarcho-capitalists might be. For instance, I would support um, a only giving uh, public schools to the bottom 10% of earners. I would, you know, support uh, turning public schools into... What's the first thing somebody says if you say, let's get rid of public schools? What about the poor? There you go. I've hand, I'll handle that issue by saying, great, let's make public school only for poor people. Let's not make it for welfare for well, middle-class people. Then you're going pe- to get a dis- discrimination lawsuit. Why? Well, but it's it's the same idea. You give them an inch, they take a mile. I understand. I understand what bit. you're saying, but at the same time, how are you going to actually implement total turn turnaround? 
I mean, of, of the government school system? It would system? be a slow process. It, would, it, it wouldn't be a process, my friend. No, 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 no. I don't think there needs to be a process. You just turn the schools over to the teachers. Here you go. Okay, here. You set a date. You get your city council elected or whoever it needs to, whoever it needs to be to make the decision to make the change. And you say, okay, end of 2007 or the end of the next school year, mm-hmm. um, that's the last time you guys will get a check from the government. I, you will then have to voluntarily fund your school. Here you go. I know how, it's yours. how great it would be to tell, the, market to tell the bureaucrats who have been stealing our money year after year after year, hey, you know, take your whole bureaucracy and you deal with it. Yeah. yeah they wouldn't like that. Too I bad can, for them. They can I, go right, find see, another job. That's the concept. That the, it's the too bad for them, and they've got a bunch of people that agree with Am them. Am I supposed what to feel I'm sorry saying, for gangsters? Am what, I really supposed to feel sorry for them? Right. I'm, I'm not saying I, that you're supposed We're to feel sorry for them. giving them a piece of the action. I'm saying that you should um, try things, you know, try to look at things that work. And I'm not saying your plan wouldn't work. It sounds... It works brilliantly. It worked? It would work brilliantly, you, I well, think. You, it, we, it well, let's, because let's try it, would, it Because see. the market forces would be in play immediately. The the, uh, the pressure would be on. The sense of urgency would be there. They would know that the countdown is happening. The countdown to not getting a government paycheck anymore, and you better figure it out. But there's or only you're gonna lose really one argument well, against uh, public schools when it comes into play. You know, There's only one argument in getting rid of public schools, and that is, what about the poor people? They never learn to read. Um, oh, my God, they'll be working in fields and canning factories and lose their limbs, right? I mean, that's what they're going right. to say. So I just, I'm looking at plans that immediately, bam, shut off whatever, um, you know, dispute there is. Well, in the second that, the second that this would happen, I mean, so many people would step up. You'd have different businesses, companies, churches stepping up and, you know, taking the role of government here. And you know, providing schooling, maybe cheap schooling. Oh, I agree. Maybe, I just you know, think specific that brands of schooling. Say a kid doesn't really want to learn about science. He wants to learn how to play guitar. Or he wants to do something in the art field. So there would be specialized schools in that. Absolutely. You know? I I totally agree that that's what would happen. I just believe that people are scared to death of the social safety net being pulled out Here's from underneath the problem. them. problem. Th- that's just it. I mean, and Tim, thank you for the call. We appreciate it. And not them. Yes, Actually, right. it's not them that they're concerned with the social it's safety net. They're scared net. for others. It's, it's other people. I understand. And that's part of what we have to do before any of this ever happens. If we want our people to get elected, then the education of the masses has to happen before the election process. Maybe. Once people like us get elected, then then um, then they've been elected to enact these reforms and these changes. And if you come to the table with a mealy-mouthed uh, proposal like, well, let's just make it so only the poor people can have access to government schools, you are going to get immediately bogged down in the biggest political game that you've ever gotten involved in your entire life. All of a sudden, then you've got to decide an arbitrary decision on what is poor. Should we only give uh, poor... Uh, are we only giving schools to people that make less than $20,000? a year, or is it less than $10,000 a year? Is it $14,000 a year? Because if you set it at $15,000 a year, there are going to be some people that make $20,000 a year. They're going to be pissed off that now all of a sudden, the the uh, poor guy down the street, he gets access to the government schools, but they don't get access to the government schools? You're going to have a lawsuit on your hands? You're going to be spending years just trying to implement a, 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 a decision like that. 
the the, com- like the, the the argument that you're making currently is a no government argument, and it doesn't sell to the general population. What I'm saying, um, my no argument, schools argument. No, no, but but what you're really saying, what the argument you just made is, if you make some kind of political, uh, you know, proposal, then you're going to get bogged down in the details with dealing with you the will. politicians, which really applies to every single thing that has to do with the government. So let's just get rid of the government. Is what you're saying. And what I'm proposing is something that the average, and I'm not proposing that the plan actually happens. I'm proposing that somebody in their mind is able to step forward and say, oh, yeah, we don't need public, um, public schools. They are really just welfare for middle class people. If, we, um, if public schools were there for what we, we say we want them for, then they would really just teach the basics to the poorest people, and then the middle class people would get something better. Okay, let's look at your plan here. I, I, I know how you like to say that it's welfare for the middle class, but that's almost a shot at the middle class. And you're trying to get a shot on, at the middle you're class. You're trying to get them on board with you. You don't want to take shots at people that you want to get on board with you. Are the middle class who are going to be, are they going to have to pay for the schools uh, that uh, are only going to be educating poor people in your, under your plan? Are they currently paying for the schools that are educating poor people? Yes. Okay, then. but their kids get to go too, and they're going to take it no, personally. No, that's, that's not the. But, but look, if you're sending poor kids to schools that are being um, funded to only have the basics, then it's not going to be as good. In the same way um, that the uh, public housing isn't as good as your house, you're paying and think for about your what house. The teachers are going to say to this plan: You're going to take our students away. You're going to you're going to be cutting jobs. You're going to make it so teachers. I mean, if there's uh, I don't know what the, the teachers are. are going to holler and scream no matter what you do. Right, which is why you, you should say, go all the way. Which is why this incremental approach is a useless waste of energy because they're going to holler and scream. Well, what my proposal does is and separates sue. the people that say, "Well, what about the poor people?" from the people that say. But we've got to support the pe- teachers' union. You're never, never going to get the people that say, we've got to support the teachers' union. On board, I on board. Never, ever. I'm not trying to get and them on board. And all I'm doing is pulling away this huge segment of the population that says, we can't have education unless we have public schools. Because what about the poor people? I just think that you should be able to answer that objection with a, the simple response of, look at history. The poor people have been taken care of, and they will continue to be taken care of. Look, you leave your arguments leave people um, speechless because they simply have no rebut to them, but they leave them unconvinced because they can't imagine. Um, you They'll know, be convinced doing when they don't have they... to pay their property taxes anymore. Right after after you manage to uh, pull the uh, social safety net out from underneath them, I can't see how you're going to can educate them and not convince them. You can't see how I'm going to educate you say them that you, and not that you're going to, In order to implement your plan, you have to educate the public. Correct. How are you going to educate the public, but, the, but they're still left unconvinced? Well, you, you said have that to they would be them. convinced after they saw how things worked. They would see it in advance, Mark. They would see in advance and then elect those people to enact the plan. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. You take control. Bring up what you want toll-free at 800-259-9231, the pack at 8.net, toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, where all the features are totally free, including the Shrine of Female listeners. The dozens and dozens of ladies have taken the time to send us their validated photo to prove that they listen to the show. See what I mean by heading over to shrine.freetalklive.com. That is shrine.freetalklive.com. And April is Financial Literacy Month, so give the child in your life financial literacy, be they son, daughter, or 
or sibling. A Kid's Journey to Getting Rich by Joel Thornton teaches a child the basics of finance, money management, and real estate investment. School doesn't teach kids about money. Only their loved ones can do that. Give your special child A Kid's Journey to Getting Rich. Order it at akidsjourney.com or call 1-800-657-5066. That's 800-657-5066. Now, Jewel Thornton, the author there, she's right that school, government school certainly does not teach kids about money and financial uh, intelligence and that sort of thing. However, if we were to actually move to a market-based school system, then... There very well could be schools that might even use Jules' book at uh, you know in kindergarten or something like I think that. that I think it's likely. I think uh, it make, make, make a great book for kids. Like I, that. I think that the, the, that book's true, and what you said about uh, schools teaching uh, economics would be more so, because private schools would then need to compete on an entirely different basis. Currently, now they compete with people that are already paying to send their kids to public schools, mm-hmm. so they're essentially just trying to compete with um, a, a sliver people for, of the market. Yeah, ac- you know, people that want superior academics, largely. I, you know, or different academics and s- to some extent. So in the marketplace, they would be competing for every single potential student mm-hmm. out there, uh, which, of course, would Price, result in academics, all kinds uh, of innovations, all kinds of extracurricular activities. Let's go to the phones and talk to Rob in Georgia on the Amplifier line. Rob, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, guys. Hey, what's on your mind, sir? Um, well, I just wanted to weigh in about these schools and how poor people would be handled. One thing I think that you may miss, I'm not sure if this would actually convince people who aren't who uh, don't much trust the market, but I don't think these schools would necessarily look a lot like the schools that we see now. People who are wealthy enough to send their kids to private schools very frequently work the sorts of jobs where they can have fairly regular schedules. Sometimes one parent stays at home. That 8 to 3 schedule works very well for them. For people who are poor, that sort of schedule doesn't necessarily work as well. And one thing which personally I would do, now I work a day job, I'm busy during the day, but if there were, if it was a completely private market and there were, if there was a school which catered to the poor, I would happily volunteer to teach kids math at five o'clock, six o'clock p.m. And I'm sure there's many people who would do similar sorts of things. These things don't have to be things that start at seven o'clock in the morning and you're out of there by three thirty. Mm. And the market would automatically begin to organize itself based on those sorts of uh, consumer demands. Exactly. So I think that I think that you know you're kind of falling into thinking about schools in the same way that a lot of people think about schools. But, you know, the way that most schooling schooling works, it was kind of designed around the model of fairly rich kids of nobility, for lack of a better word, or people who are very wealthy who could afford to send their kids off or and that sort of thing. It wasn't really made for regular working people from the jump. Mark, did you have anything to say to Rob? No, no I, I, I sort of agree. <laughs> okay. So what do you think about the whole process, Rob, of getting people on board with this idea, with the idea of moving towards the marketplace faster rather than this sort of um, Marx proposal, which involves uh, having poor kids, giving them access to government schools, or just some sort of an incremental proposal? How do you feel about getting there? Well, I think that actually the Free State Project is probably about the best model I've seen for that sort of thing, honestly. What do you mean by that? Well, to concentrate people with a liberty mindset in an area so that you can actually affect that sort of a drastic change. It's very difficult to get everybody, when all of their money and all of their time is involved, to get to do anything drastic. And the, and the larger the mob, the less likely that a really drastic change can be implemented. Very good. Rob, thank you for the call. We appreciate hearing from you. 
800-259-9231 is the toll-free packet 8.net line. 1-800-259-9231 as we go to another amplifier, and it's Zach in South Carolina. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, Zach. Hey, I just wanted to talk about a couple of the different activities of the USC Libertarians, which is our campus libertarian group here. Excellent. Uh, the first one is really just me. Last weekend, I got to go to Myrtle Beach and participate in the South Carolina Student Legislature, and that's just like a statewide mock legislature with students from different colleges, hmm. and we debate legislation, and then whatever gets through us gets put in a book and sent to the actual legislature. Really? And so last weekend, it was my first time, so it was really more just a learning experience for me, but I'm going to be able to participate you know, more throughout the years. How did you uh, how did you get system. into this uh, student legislature? Is there uh, an elections process, or can you just say I want to be on that? Well, our school is the biggest one in the state, and so we have a very large delegation. And there weren't too many people in the school that actually showed up. So <laughs> really, anyone that came who can blame them? I mean. Uh, who can blame them? I know how dull these uh, sorts of occasions can be. Was it was it even interesting to you, or was it pretty boring? Oh, it was actually um, pretty fun. Got to debate different things, and some were serious, and some were um, just more comical. Were you pretty much the token and... libertarian in the entire uh, the entire organization? Well, I think there were a couple of uh, a couple others that. Um, uh, I could tell by their speeches they mentioned free market and stuff like that. And That's good. Other libertarian ideals. Right on. And so what else? Uh, second thing is our group decided a couple weeks ago that we wanted to do something to protest the Real ID Act. And so I decided to also head over to meetings of the College Republicans and mm-hmm. Young Democrats. And I spoke at both of their meetings and was able to get their groups on board. And so now, next Monday, all three of our groups are co-sponsoring a Real ID protest here on campus. Pretty cool. Let us know how it goes. And uh, here's an idea for you. Uh, and I, I think you can be free to borrow this if you can pull it off faster than they do it up here. There may be a protest happening here soon on the Keene State College campus or just outside of it where Keene State College students will be open-carrying firearms in protest of the campus's policy, uh, no-firearms policy. That should be interesting. Yeah. People take that crap very seriously. They think the guns jump right up and shoot the crap out of people. I don't know if you can even open-carry in South Carolina. Is that even a possibility? Um, not that I know of. Look into it, Zach. Sure. It might be an idea for you. And thank you for the call. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. If, if, you, if, the, uh, if the Keene State College guys actually pull this off sooner rather than later, you know, while the issue is still hot, then that could make national news. Don't you think? I, w- I would say so, yeah. I mean, it, it, oh, my God. It, it, could be, it could be bad. It could be really great. I don't know. I hope that it goes well. I mean, we we could have the free staters go out and do it, but it wouldn't make as much sense, you know, if a bunch of guys in their 30s and 40s are standing around carrying firearms versus actual students who actually attend the college carrying the firearms. I think that that would make a big difference. Mm-hmm. I suggested that Julia actually head out there. Even though she's not a student, she could pass for one, and she should strap the AK to her back. That would be pretty cool. Oh, my God. <laughs> you can take control of the airwaves toll free 
the question would be, how would you handle that? Because you don't want the cops showing up and shooting anybody. So, do you call the cops and let them know in advance? Would they take that as a threat? Would oh, they that, not understand? They'd have a SWAT team out for there if you called them in advance. This is your show. You bring up anything. Take control. Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You can bring up what you want toll-free at 800-259-9231, the packet8.net toll-free line for you. Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are totally free, uh, including archives. An entire year's worth of the show is waiting for you right there on the front page of the website for your downloading convenience, freetalklive.com. The Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival, better known as Porkfest, is June 18th through the 24th. At Porkfest, you'll be able to talk to New Hampshire natives and those who have made the move and tour New Hampshire on special FSP bus tours or on your own. Register today at Porkfest.com. That's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com. Porkfest.com. To the phones, to the fun. It's George in Montana listening on KGEZ. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian Mark. Hey, George. Yes, well, this is a typical crap I hear from uh, so-called libertarians. What do you mean? Well, let me give you the cover. You claim that government schools are bad. They are. Well, what's so much better about big corporate institutions like that? Sir, Catholic we didn't Church, we didn't say anything about big Church corporate institutions. No, no, Slow down. We didn't say anything about big corporate institutions. people into the other. Okay, what did you say? I said you criticize big government schools in order to drive them into big corporate. Uh, when do we say anything schools? about big corporations? Because that's what people see. Um, that's what a Democrat generally hears is um, when. That's it. What's that? That's what we hear. That's, That's right. right. You start criticizing I don't, government. Well, you should try listening. Do, do you consider the guy who paints your house to be a big corporation? I mean, everybody I who sells the their work church, is a business. I consider the Mormon church to be large corporations. Now, let me give you, I'm a card-carrying socialist, okay? okay. It, it, it shows. Let me give it to you in simple terms, okay? Yeah, go ahead, buddy. Let me buddy. explain to you in very simple terms. I happen to be a card-carrying social, like I said, and here's what I would propose if you really, if you really aren't bullshitting. Okay? Whoa, okay. Whoa. Sorry, okay. you're going to have to call some I, other time. Take it easy. To, sorry, man. 800-259-9231. You know, you as you a card-carrying really... socialist should understand that the government has created rules for people to follow, and one of those rules is that on the radio, you aren't supposed to say naughty things. Shame on you, George. You're putting KGEZ's license in jeopardy. And you can go go ahead and give us a call back tomorrow. But as a card carrier, because I, re- I really want to hear from I him. do. I, but that's the rule. Yeah. The rule is if you say a bad word, you gotta go. And yep. I don't care whether you're socialist or not. I would have loved to have talked to him right. because the what the question I have for George, um, and please call back tomorrow or you know later is here's the question. Tell me one system out there, one government system that's worked. Just one. I'd love to hear it. Okay, so anyway, it's amazing to me. We didn't say anything about corporations. I just said allow the marketplace to handle it. And we didn't even say anything about churches. Yes, inevitably there will be schools run by churches. Yes, there may be sort of big uh, corporate schools that are out there doing massive uh, mass market education sort of um, products. That may be the case. But that doesn't mean there won't be localized 
uh, schools run by individuals, uh, run by families, run by neighborhood groups, run by um, whatever sort of voluntary association of individuals wants to spring up and run a school. Because I can tell you that my kid's not going to a church school. Mine it's isn't either. I'm an atheist. Happen. And I'm not going to send my kid to a government school either. Um, you know, the, the very idea, the corporations only get their power from the government. You can only get power with guns and people that are willing to use them if you don't play by their rules. Corporations simply wouldn't have power in this world, in America, under this whole mercantilist system that we have if it wasn't for them being in bed with the government. George wants to grow the government. And that, as a result, grows the power of the corporations that are in bed with it. Plus, here's here's one for you, George, that you probably have never heard before, because I know you're still listening, uh, is that I, I, as a libertarian, am against the concept of a corporation, in that a corporation is nothing more than a file folder that's in a filing cabinet somewhere uh, that the government created. The government created the concept of a corporation in order to shield certain individuals who are running businesses the people that from pay, liability. The people that pay a little bribe to the government in the form of a corporate, you know, a corporate fi- license you know, or whatever, yeah. filing for a corporation, those people that, that, that pay a little bribe to the government, well, they're able to be shielded from the responsibilities right. of that company that they're you know, doing that they're turns, you know, doing business under. It turns their company into a person, a mm. legal person. It's a legal fiction that socialists like you created, George. And I'm against corporations. I'm for business. I'm for businesses, and I'm for people, individuals running businesses, providing services. And here's the real fun part about the marketplace: is that businesses or corporations or whatever you want to call them. People providing these products, whether they be um, whether they be retail products or whether they be educational products, people providing those products cannot succeed unless they're making their customers happy. If the customers aren't happy, then they can't make money, and if they aren't making money, they're going to go out of business. And it doesn't work that way with government, though. Government can make you as unhappy as they possibly can get away with, and you still have to pay for their services. Even if you don't even use them, you have to pay for their services, because if you don't, they're going to come and steal the money from you. They're going to throw you in a jail cell. And uh, if you don't want to go to the jail cell, they're going to shoot you. I don't think I've ever heard of an instance where Burger King or McDonald's or Walmart or uh, your local grocery store came to your house, pounded on the front door with men uh, dressed in black, demanded that you either pay up or uh, go to jail with them. They, they, you know, they just don't do that. They don't demand. They don't have armed guards standing out in front of their store in the, in the road out in front of their store setting up roadblocks and, and demanding that people pull into their parking lot and walk through their doors and buy stuff. But they do get in bed with the government and create regulations on themselves to keep out other people from competing with them. They keep out, um, you know, and that competition then limits my choices as the consumer. So I may not, um, you know, Walmart may not be standing out there with an armed guard in the middle of the road shooing me into their parking lot, but what they are doing is they're, they're going to the government and getting armed guards to keep people, um, keep people from opening businesses that would compete with them that I might go there to buy their products instead. So once again, the problem is the government. It's the government. It's not the corporation. I mean, not that I, th- I think corporations are that great of a thing. I think that the, uh, the the market would want corporations anyway, no matter how free market you got. And I don't uh, I don't know that we could 
necessarily get rid of corporations entirely. And how could that work? How would that work? I know someone has made the argument in the past. How could they possibly have a business being a person without a government around to enforce that fantasy? Um, I go out to the street and I find some um, hardworking young man who doesn't have a great deal of money. I put him up in business. I put a contractual agreement with him in place that I get 90%, he gets 10 in sweat equity. Um, if anything, if we, and you know, that I get to have some say in what the business does. I uh, tell him to do some illegal move because of his uh, naivety. He does that illegal move. He uh, causes some problem that causes damage to people. He's the business. I'm not. And I'm shielded from the responsibilities of what I've done. Um, So what you're saying is that you want to be able to make others responsible for their actions, not necessarily that there's this corporation that 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 is a person. I'm saying that people will be um, responsible. shirk responsibility in business as much as they possibly can, and there will be ways to get around it in the future. I just gave you one just now. Hmm. Okay. Let's uh, continue with the calls. It's Osborne in Ohio. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, Osborne. Good evening, gentlemen. What's on your mind? Uh, the other night you guys were talking about Hillsdale, and yes. uh, as a former student, I thought I might call in and uh, clarify any questions that you might have about it? Uh, the gun policy, were... I think, was what I was asking about. Do they do they allow guns on campus? They absolutely do not. That's unfortunate. And uh, not only that, but they uh, will raid your room at least once a week to uh, check and see if you have any. <laughs> what? Once yeah, a uh, week? Are you in jail? A... Excuse me? It sounds like uh, jail it's very, to me. It's very, clo- it's very close to jail. Uh, for a school that... Uh, Counts themselves as being a bastion of liberty. It is uh, for the student uh, the farthest thing from. Yuck. Uh, I know a particular fellow who was uh, kicked out of school for having a paintball gun. Wow. If you could imagine such a thing. Is the school just run by a bunch of uptight uh, people, or what's their deal? Yes, exactly. Um, Is it a a Christian school or something? It it is not, but... uh, Good uh, 75% of the students are members of the um, Christian organization. Huh. Well, They've been fed pretty tight with the uh, administration. So go to Hillsdale. Uh, you'll get a good education, but you'll also have your room rated every week. Thanks for the call, it, Osborne. We appreciate it. 800 259 Their college can run it any way they want. It is. Hey, you take control. You bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, it's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves. Toll free at 800-259-9231. The packet 8.net toll free line for you. You bring up whatever you want. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site for free. Though we do ask you voluntarily support the show by buying some Free Talk Live gear at the Free Talk Live store at store.freetalklive.com. We are in the pre-order phase for our brand new items, which are pretty cool, including the hottest selling item of all time, the Free Talk Live multi-gadget, two gigabytes, flash drive, MP3 player, FM tuner, and it's also, uh, let's see, a flash. there's so many features, I, I forget them all if I don't have them. It's a jump way. drive. It's a jump drive, it's an MP3 player, and it's an FM tuner, and it will do ebooks as well. And there's, I know I'm missing something. But anyway, there's sweaters. Uh, we've got the uh, hoodie, the hoodies. There's the zip up style hoodie. There's the pullover style hoodie, Free Talk Live logos. There's also the new Free Marketeer t shirt. There's the Free Talk Live ladies t shirt. The Free Talk Live new style beanie cap. It's, we now offer two different beanies. 
um, as well as the Free Talk Live retractable lighter and uh, bottle opener combo. So, oh, by the way, the two gigabyte multi gadget is is way less than you would pay for a, a two gigabyte flash drive voice recorder. That's what else it has. The voice recorder. Anyway, it's uh, it's less than sixty bucks for a two gigabyte all of those things, and you just can't find prices like that. Anymore. No. Difficult to find an MP3 player with that uh, size um, for 60 bucks. In fact, Johnson, uh, who runs a store, and I were talking today about the, the multi-gadget and how well it's selling. And uh, I'd originally, we originally thought we were only going to be able to do like a one-time run of 50. But I think what we're going to do now is we're going to expand that out to a maximum of 100 on this one. Because we're almost up to 50 at this point that have sold, which is awesome. Um, so if you want to get in on this, it will be limited time. And at, and at some point, you just won't be able to get this. So get over to store.freetalklive.com to place your orders. Of course, we've got all the older items as well, which uh, are great sellers and great great quality products. This is not crappy stuff, and uh, I think you're going to be very pleased with it. So store.freetalklive.com. We're talking about schools, or we were talking about schools, but you can bring up whatever's on your mind as we go to Dale in New York. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, Dale. Hey, hi, guys. How are you doing? Great. What's on your mind? Um, I I just wanted to uh, well see how I'm going to put this. I'm I work for Department of Defense. Oh boy, a bureaucrat. Uh, now 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 listen. I'm one of of the people that are like the civilian grunts. We're not these high paid GS people. We're at the bottom. What's a GS person? Uh, government service. Okay. So does that make you an NCO, a non-commissioned officer? I was in the army, yes, and I retired. Well, I retired out of the reserves. I'm what's called a wage grade. Okay. Okay. I'm a worker. What do you do? Well, we push, we process parts, make sure they get back in the system so they can get back in the supply system. We uh, we store the ammunition. We make sure it gets issued to the soldiers so they can train. Uh, we ship things out that they need, that kind of stuff. The mm-hmm. grunt work of the logistics system. Got it. Bye. Still there? I'm here. Okay. That's what we do. Okay. So and, why were you uh, calling? Well, I just tell you about a conversation we had at lunchtime uh, up in the break room the other day. All the guys are standing around are talking oh, about. Whoa! Somebody got on the line there. Are you still there? That was my wife. She okay. picked the phone up by accident. I'm sorry. Uh, so you're in the break room, standing around. Yeah, we're talking. They're talking about. Oh, you know, some of these guys are close to retirement. They're gonna. They're gonna do this. They're gonna do that. And. And then one of them looks at me and says, well, gee, Dale, you've, you've been around a while. You're going to make this, probably make that when you get to all your retirement. And I said to him, I looked him in the eye and I said, number one, I will never get a cent of my military retirement. Number two, I will never get a cent of this Department of Defense job retirement money because this country is bankrupt. So how long do you have uh, until uh, retirement? I'm 48. I have to be at least 60 to retire. Okay, so you got another 12 years. You don't think there's going to be a pension there for you in 12 years? I know better. Why? Because I can see how, look at the crazy spending this, this administration alone has done. They have not done some crazy spending. Previous. I, I, I'm not, I, I agree with you on that part. I don't know if everything's going to fall apart that quick. I hope not. I hope not, too. Well, what my, you, maybe what will happen is there will be hyperinflation, and that way the pension you get won't be worth scrap. So you might well, actually get the the pension, but it won't buy you a pack of guns. Well, same difference. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's just paper right now. We all know that anybody right. that can that has looked into it, and I have. 
you know. I've looked into it. I know we have fiat currency. I know this is – I know that the Federal Reserve is no more federal than FedEx. Right. You know, I figured this stuff out, you know, and I, I, I didn't get a chance to go to college, but I figured it out on my own. That's, that's how most of us did it. They certainly don't teach this. They don't teach this in college. They sure wouldn't now, teach you that know to what? you. I, I, whenever I talk to a, a bureaucrats, it's always interesting to find out what are some of the things that you, as uh, someone who understands small government, what is it that you see at your job working for the government? What sort of uh, waste do you come across? What sort of just bu- bureaucratic insanity well, I'll uh, give you, you an example. Yeah. Uh, the way this, some of these operations work to finance different departments, they're given a certain amount of money. For instance, they may get $200,000 this fiscal year just to buy furniture. <laughs> I think this is fact. I've seen this happen more than once. They can't spend that money on anything they, they might really need in the department, like maybe we need a new truck to transport parts around posts. Right, because that's not furniture. You can't have that. Right. But you can spend $200,000 for brand-new furniture that nobody really needs. Right. What do they do with the old furniture? Does this bureaucrats just take it home? Well, it gets processed for turn-in. No, they don't, can't take it home. What usually happens to it is if it doesn't go to DRMO, which is Defense Reutilization Marketing Office, and get sold for pennies on the dollar to the private sector, it'll end up in a scrap heap somewhere. Are you really changing out furniture every single year? No, not every single year, but occasionally this will pop up. See, what happens is you're locked in to only use that money for that project or for that one item. We can't, we can't transfer funds around as needed. Once it's locked into a certain department or area, it's stuck there. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, so just here's, here's every so example. often, every couple of years or whatever, you get a two hundred thousand dollar budget for for new well, chairs. Might, I, I used that as an example because I don't know every department. Sure, why would right. you? Yeah, but that's you just know, one example of just that's the waste. Just a basic example. I mean, here's private the, companies make a, make furniture last as long as they possibly can. Sure, they do. Uh, right, well, you you like this one? Guess what? You know, we have more people incarcerated now in, in prisons in the United States than ever before. Right? We sure do. Oh, yeah. More people than anywhere else, uh, any other developed okay. nation. Let's say I received a shipment the other day of of uh, a box full of speaker systems that go with military radios. All right. Okay, I processed them. You know, made sure they were accounted for, put them away until they get shipped to whoever needs them, whatever unit or military unit needs those to replace mm-hmm. bad ones. In the bottom of the box, I found two little yellow tickets, and they say Unicor Prison Systems. What's that mean? Okay. So the convicts so, are building your speakers? Yeah, they're building speaker systems for military tactical radios, and I bet you if you did the research on it, you find out there's a lot of people that have investments in private prisons. Huh, okay, so lucrative, so here's what's happening then. Lucrative military contracts, which of course means that they pay too much for the products that they're buying. So, you know, they're paying hundreds of dollars for these crappy little radios or whatever that are being manufactured by what is essentially slave labor. So the people running that, the people running Unicor in that particular case are really banking. That's what my observation tells me, yeah. Amazing. It's just not that. You'll get furniture like that. And here's another example. Uh, I worked in another section for most of the year, and we received a lot of computer equipment because everybody's got to have a computer now, right? Mm-hmm. Not one of the thousands of computers we processed and issued out, not one of them 
was made in this country. Not a one. Well, I don't think anyone makes computers in America. I mean, I, That's I, right. You know where most of them are made, don't you? Uh, Take a guess. Taiwan? Simple. Hong Kong? Where? Taiwan? No, China? not Taiwan. China. Red China. Well, now, red China's getting less red as time goes on, from what I can see. Uh, they they sort of are, are figuring out the whole marketplace thing. They're doing it slowly, but they're, uh, they're well, not... Well, yeah, hmm? they're taking on predatory capitalism, just like... Uh, oh, what does that States. mean? Predatory capitalism. You can, you can only be it's predatory when you, when you use the government. If you're using the government to, uh, to destroy competition, then, then you're being predatory. That's uh, what I'm talking about. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Well, in that That's case, hey, it was good hearing from you, and uh, we appreciate it, and good luck uh, getting out of the bureaucracy one of these days. Thank you for the call. Hope your Dale. pension's there. <laughs> yeah, well, it, like I say, it'll be there, but it might, might, might be, be worth knows? anything. Who knows? Because I don't think they set pensions to where they scale up to inflation. I don't think that happens. They, there's, there's some kind of um, increase. They're usually pinned somehow to the uh, wages of um, you know, the, the current employees. But did you see that? Whenever you get a bureaucrat... Even if it's on the line with Free Talk Live or in your personal life, just ask them for some examples of waste. They'll always come up with Huge an ones. answer for you. 800-259-9231. And I'm sure that's just the tip of the iceberg. Hour three's coming up. This is Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up whatever you want toll-free at 800-259-9231 as we launch into hour number three of the program. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features on the website are completely free, so enjoy those on us at freetalklive.com. Let's jump right into the calls to Michelle in California. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, Michelle. Hey, Ian. How Mark? How are you hey. guys doing? Great. What's on your mind tonight? Um, well, I was listening to the podcast from yesterday, and I heard your caller, uh, the photographer, excuse me, the photographer that called up about the intellectual property. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to address that as I am a professional photographer as well. And what I kind of he, uh, photography do you do? Um, I do editorial nature and also commercial advertising. Okay, so you're sort of diverse then. You've got different ways that you're... Doing it. Yeah, photography, pretty much you have to kind of be, you know. <laughs> it's art. It's tough to make a living in art. It really is. So, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. What were you going to say about it? No, that's fine. Um, I think what he couldn't quite get through as far as what the intellectual property nature of photography actually is, the physical image itself, when you create it, it's automatically copyrighted, whether you register it with the government or not. Mm-hmm. You hold that copyright. So if someone infringes on that, you automatically have the ability to send them an invoice for triple what they would normally pay. And nine times out of ten, they're going to pay that because they don't want to go through all the rigmarole. I think his concern wasn't so much uh, photography now, but photography under a free market system wherein there would not be a government protection, uh, protection racket. Right, yeah. And that is a big question. And even without the free market nature of it, in and of itself, in the world we live in today, it's changing drastically because of the digital realm. Right. And People can just use photos that are on the Internet, know, and, and they don't have to compensate for it. But the intellectual part of it comes in that you can't say someone wants to maybe buy your image, but they decide, oh, you know what, I can just pay someone else to duplicate that photo, create it themselves, and then not have to pay you for it. They can find someone to say, hey, can you just make this general picture that I liked? That's where the intellectual property of it comes into play. 
You mean, could they send someone else out to take a similar photo or exactly, rip off? exactly? So wow. your basic design elements, the lighting, the color, you know, all that kind of stuff that is in your image, you technically own that design, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be something difficult to enforce. Which is what, like, I had heard Mark mention that before when you guys had talked about it. Like, say you create this wooden chair, and everybody in the world wants it. But they realize, you know what, we can just go and design it ourselves. Right. Why shouldn't you get, you know, some compensation for that? Because technically you're the one that designed it and created the idea of this chair. I don't think you should get compensation. I think if they, if they want to, they, they will compensate you. But uh, if you create a wooden chair and someone wants to go out and create their own wooden chair from scratch based on just their observations of the chair that you've, you've created, I don't see how that's a, a violation no. of anything. It's a you, it's. I think that the idea of intellectual property is sort of silly. In that specific instance, like the wooden chair, I think it probably falls under the same sort of uh, uh, group as um, you know, clothes designers. Um, there's no way you can uh, copyright a pattern that you cut out of fabric. So clothes designers, um, I, Mich- Michelle Wang, is, is that... Uh, 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 I don't know. There's there's a designer out there know. named Wang. Okay, okay. <laughs> I don't know oh, what Vera it, Wang. Vera, Vera Wang. Wang yeah. Okay, so Vera makes um, some uh, you know really great uh, dress out um, out there, and there's nothing to stop me from making that dress as cheaply and as quickly as possible, right. making a Vera Wang knock knockoff, as long as I don't use Vera Wang's name in the process. Sure. Look at right. I mean look at some of the crap that you see on the on the runway. I mean, but you take a plastic trash bag and wrap it around <laughs> you, and you've got a you've got a dress. That's runway stuff. That doesn't isn't what people wear. Have you ever seen anybody wearing that? I don't know. Okay, you haven't. Doesn't um, that turn into clothes later no, it on doesn't. if it gets popular? No, it's, 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 it's just design elements that um, get people's attention. It, it, it doesn't get worn. Hmm. Um, so Vera Wang, but people that would want to wear Vera Wang stuff will pay for Vera Wang stuff. This is a real Vera, you know, it's like those handbags that girls pay a right. grand for. Um, there's copies out there. There's knockoffs you can buy from some guy out of his trunk. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know. You pay for the branding. Right. The girls know the difference. You know, they, they know how to find out the little subtle differences, and they'll try to get in each other's purses just to look at the zippers and stuff, just yeah. to make sure whether it's real or not. Absolutely. Michelle, absolutely. I think it us? falls under, like, patent law. You know, it's like you can patent certain things, but then you can't patent certain things. Well, patent like law is a design. mess. Patent law is just an awful situation that essentially takes power out of the hands of inventors and puts it into the hands of lawyers. And that that just needs I to agree. go away entirely. Michelle, thanks for the call. We appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. Man, you know, I, I, I really like a good knockoff product. I know There's you do. There's something about a, a good knockoff that makes me feel just I bought peachy. Some, I bought some Jokeleys on the streets of uh, New York City. Because Okies? Of, um, <laughs> whatever you want to call them. Right. Um, on the streets of New York City because my eyes were bothering me from the sun. Yeah. I happened to be there uh, one day. And the darn things cut me. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I say I like a good knockoff. <laughs> right. Well, this wasn't a good knockoff. And uh, I'm, you know, cheap sunglasses, no thanks. Yeah, you, you live and learn, right? Yeah. The cheap I, doesn't necessarily mean bad. I bought some Panama Jacks at uh, Walmart for 13 bucks, and they've done a fine job. I, mean, I, I, I think my teeth almost fell out of my mouth. You spent $13 on a pair of sunglasses? I know. I used to only buy dollar glasses from the I dollar store. I thought 99 store. cents was going on a limb for you. But somebody turned me on to the world of polarization, yes. and uh, it's worth the extra money to it have really polarized It really is. Uh, yeah, that, that's about what I think is uh, you should spend on a pair of sunglasses, 13 bucks. Too. Yeah, if you step on a $13 pair of sunglasses... It doesn't ruin your day. Right. Now, I have lost two pairs of $300 silhouettes. How old were you? 
uh, in my early 30s. Oh, wow. When, why did you, uh, I mean, it, it, was it, did it take you two of them to finally realize that this is insanity? I think the, one of them was a gift. Okay. But, the, but I did spend $300 on the first pair. So. Because we've got a, we've got a listener, uh, Lindsay, who, uh, she's the moderator on our bulletin board system. She actually works at a sunglass hut. And so she's there all day selling these multi-hundred dollar pairs of sunglasses. And it just amazes me that someone could justify spending that kind of money on a pair of sunglasses. When I have damaged and destroyed so many pairs of sunglasses in, in my time. I guess maybe if you spent $300 on them, you'd be really, really careful with them. But that doesn't stop accidents from happening. And I don't think that you can buy sunglass insurance. I just don't think that's available. Uh, yeah, that would that no. <laughs> that would be SOL. bad bad insurance. If you if you if Although, you, you know, they insure cell phones and I don't know how they managed to pull it off, but this is probably my uh fourth trio. Yeah. 600 that I have here. I have the uh, crappy old version, but um, well, you have to send it in, right? You send it in when it's right. when it goes bad. I've either lost or damaged uh 3 of them and this is my fourth. Huh. So I have, you know, insurance for it. I think there, there's some kind of time I'm surprised they didn't drop you from their policy. Like, oh, you've done this three times? Get out of here. Well, you know, you leave it on top of your car uh, uh, enough times. 800-259-9231 is the toll-free number. We're going to go to Ron Paul here. I don't know if you've got that story ready, Mark. But uh, Ron Paul on racism. The controversy surrounding remarks by talk show host Don Imus shows the nation, um, the nation remains firmly, incredibly, sensitive about matters of race despite the outward progress of the last 40 years a nation that once prided itself on a sense of rugged individualism has become uncomfortably obsessed with racial group identities the young women in the basketball team mr imus insulted are over 18 and can speak for themselves it's disconcerting to see third parties become involved and presume to speak collectively for minority groups. Mm -hmm. It is precisely this collectivist mindset that is the heart of racism. Now, I, the reason I wanted to read this article by Ron Paul is because um, we had previously on the show talked about uh, some quotes of his from from his newspaper from like 1995 or something like that that were less than attractive. Apparently, he said um, that he takes responsibility for those quotes, but he did not, in fact, write them. And I just wanted to, you know, show what it is. That That's he right. Thinks. They were written by a staffer right. for his newsletter. For his newsletter, and and it was attributed the to him. The newsletter had his name on it, right. but it wasn't necessarily his. It's also disconcerting to hear the subtle or not so subtle threats against free speech. Since the FCC regulates airwaves and grants broadcast licenses, we're told it's um, it's proper for government to forbid certain kinds of insulting or offensive speech in the name of racial and social tolerance. Never mind the First Amendment, which states unequivocally that Congress shall make no law. Oh, it's very clear that the FCC doesn't mind the First Amendment. Very clear. Yeah, they don't care about that thing. 800-259-9231. More with Ron Paul on the racism issue and your calls about whatever's on your mind, should you make them. 800-259-9231. You can take control. This is your show. It is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the packet 8.net toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, where all the features are totally free. We give them away because that's the way a good talk show website should do it. That's, once again, freetalklive.com, and some of those features include the wiki, uh, where there are over 1,200 pages of listener-created content. You can go there and create, too. 
WIKI.freetalklive.com. And the Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival, better known as Porkfest, is June 18th through the 24th. At Porkfest, you'll be able to tour New Hampshire on special Free State Project bus tours or on your own and discover new freedoms, new communities, and new beginnings. Register today at Porkfest.com. That's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com. Back to Ron Paul and uh, his thoughts on racism. It's, he started the article out by pointing out that this this country is sort of shifted away from rugged individualism and moved more towards identifying with groups. And that has resulted in certain individuals stepping forward to be the unelected representatives of those groups, a la Jesse Jackson, for instance. And he's, he's pretty disturbed by that. So he says, um, let's be perfectly clear. The federal government has no business regulating speech in any way. Furthermore, federal, um, furthermore government... As an institution, is particularly ill-suited to combating bigotry in our society. Bigotry, at its essence, is a sin of the heart, and we can't change people's hearts by passing more laws and regulations. In fact, it is the federal government, more than anything else, that divides us along race, class, religion, and gender lines. Absolutely. Government through... Those state and local governments do a good job of dividing us as well. <laughs> um, I guess that's so. Government... Through its taxes, restrictive regulations, corporate subsidies, racial set-asides, and welfare welfare programs plays far too large a role in determining who succeeds and who fails in our society. This government benevolence crowds out genuine... Could you hear the uh, quotation marks in my Mm -hmm. voice? (laughs) Crowds out the genuine goodwill between between men by institutionalizing group thinking thus making each group suspicious that others are receiving more of the government loot. Not only that, not only are they suspicious of it, but they're also concerned that the other groups are acting in order to uh, control government and use government to control their group. And they are. And they are. This leads to resentment and hostility between us. The political left urges that stringent federal laws are needed to combat racism, even as they advocate incredibly divisive collectivist policies. Racism is simply an ugly form of collectivism. The mindset that views humans strictly as members of groups rather than individuals, racists believe that all individuals who share superficial physical characteristics are alike, as do collectivists. Um, like you know, that's an excellent observation. I don't think I've ever heard anyone put it that way. It, it, it's it's like saying Clarence Thomas and Jesse Jackson are the same. They're not. They just happen to be black guys. Right. I think I've addressed that sort of uh, in a roundabout fashion when Mm -hmm. we've had racists on the air sort of saying, you know, how dare you? How dare you paint an entire uh, population with the same brush? It's just not fair. Mm -hmm. But to to actually label it as collectivist, I think, is is a good point. And, you know, generally, um, people won't paint those same – use that same brush to paint themselves their own group sure you know white guys we're too diverse there's rich white guys and poor white guys and all all kinds of fat white guys and skinny white guys and all different kinds of white guys but you know that that brush will be used to paint those black hoodlums those greedy jewish people yeah etc etc they're controlling the world okay um character physical characteristics are alike greasy wops as collectivists as collectivists think only in terms of groups by encouraging Americans to adopt a group mentality, the advocates of so-called diversity actually perpetuate racism. Hmm. Their obsession with racial group identity is inherently racist itself. The true antidote to racism is 
Liberty. Yes. Liberty means, <laughs> gosh, I knew you'd agree, uh, agree with that. Liberty means having a limited constitutional government devoted to the protection of individual rights. Eh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> if there's a gang around, you don't have liberty. Liberty means. <laughs> if you've got a nicer gang, it's certainly an improvement. Yeah, we'll take a better gang over a worse gang. Liberty means free market capitalism, which rewards the individual achievement and competence, not skin color, gender, or ethnicity. Now, this is what W.E.B. Dubois, um, this is you know, a black a black man from history. I don't know how to describe him. Uh, he was you know, a black leader in the 1900s. Okay. This is what he said. It's exactly what he said, that blacks will only um, get equality through doing business with whites. To be, they'll be considered on equal footing at that point. Reparations not going to make no. Uh, make n- nothing else is going to um to put them on equal footing until they can come with their own money or their own products and services. And until uh, white and, well, people, and until white people aren't using government, I say uh, oh, to in, in uh, to protect themselves as well. We say it like it's not happening now. It's largely happening, but there's a a group um out there that don't feel empowered in that arena. Okay, more importantly, in a free society, every citizen gains a sense of himself as an individual rather than developing a group or victim mentality. This leads to a sense of individual responsibility and personal pride, making skin color irrelevant. Mm -hmm. Rather than looking to government to correct our sins, we should understand that racism will endure until we stop thinking in terms of groups and begin thinking in terms of individual liberty. There you go. There you go. Liberty will solve Racism. So I guess it's true he's not a racist then. I mean, based on that. I, I, that's what he wrote. I, I mean, thought that was pretty good. You can compare in contracts to uh, other things that he's attributed to have said. But I he think didn't say those things. I, I, he, you know, no, he says he takes responsibility for them, which I love, right. and says he didn't, didn't write them. That's great. I thought that was a great, uh, great article. 800-259-9231. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I would hope so. It's got his name on it. I bet he's very careful on issues of race now. So even if he didn't write it, he read it very thoroughly and edited it. You can take control and bring up whatever you want. Let's go to the phones and talk to Clinton in Wisconsin. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Well, good evening. Hey there. What's on your mind, sir? Well, what's on my mind is helping uh, everybody understand the fallacy of composition and the misinformation that people are spreading when they make these broad statements that you're immediately a granted copyright as soon as you produce a work. This is a false understanding based on what really occurred in some of the changes of copyright law. And I went through this and learned it all the hard way as an architect whose drawings were stolen by the School of Architecture at the University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. And again, I had to delve deeply into the facts as a software developer. Now the facts are there are yes. the date of conception mm-hmm. and a date first reduced to practice. Two different types of dates are involved, which is the test that they use to determine. You can get an idea, which is the concept, and you can discuss it with people and so on and so forth. But as soon as you put that onto a medium, it's been reduced to practice. And the facts are, if you do not register for the copyright within 90 days, you lose certain rights. Mm. What happens is you lose the right to enter the federal court to litigate. See? Now, what you have to do to get back into court is you have to file. You're still allowed to file at any point in time 
way, way into the future, who knows how long, and forever you could file. But if you don't file within that 30 days after having first reduced to practice... You don't have as much control over uh, over what you can do in the future. Thank you for the call. No, no, no. We appreciate it. At 800-259-9231. I don't like filing anything with the Fed, so I'll just choose not to. Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231, the packet 8.net toll-free line for you. Uh, That's 1-800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got updates. You get signed up, and we'll clue you in whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. You'll know first if you're on the updates list at updates.freetalklive.com. Once again, updates. FreeTalkLive.com. To the phones, to the amplifier line, it's Sam in Texas. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, Sam. Hey, good evening, gentlemen. What's on your uh, I am, I'm an inventor, and I'm in the process of bringing a product to market, and it presents some interesting questions for me, and I'd like your views on them. Okay. So it's a, let me just tell you a little bit. It's a plastic part, uh, pretty straightforward, real simple to manufacture, but on the front end, I'm spending uh, probably five to ten grand on engineering costs. About half of that's going to be for the patent, and I have yeah. pretty much decided to, to file a patent. Uh, I've, I've got some issues with that because, yes, I'm using the force of government to basically uh, stop others from doing something. Uh, but at the same time, I and I know it's not a perfect system. At the same time, though, it's like a car alarm, it's going to prevent people from, you know, re- basically copying this and and uh, undercutting me. Mm-hmm. So, but before, the, the issue is with me is, before I even get to a place where I can manufacture this, I've got all these sunk costs in a study group and so forth. So, but once it's out, anybody could take that part, ship it off to a manufacturer and have it made for 10 cents and they don't have five to 10 grand sunk in the in, in the initial cost okay. before we even manufacture. So, Ian, I'm guessing you're saying tough, but maybe Mark has a different perspective? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know enough about about that. I, I don't know enough about that uh, industry of that line of work. I don't really know. No. But, I mean, it, it, with, with any generic product, if somebody, if, you know, do you think it's, what what do you think a free market solution would be for somebody who's, put in a lot of money up front to bring a product to market only to have it ripped off and uh, redone by somebody for a fraction of that cost. That's what scares me about not having intellectual property um, you know, yeah. laws in place, and, and it's one of the few reasons I can see for keeping government around. I, I would think that there would be a free market solution to inter- um, intellectual property. People want that. I don't know what it is. I'm sort of with Ian in that um, in that respect. That I believe that the free market will solve a lot of those problems if we just give it the opportunity. But I, you know, I wouldn't take the stand. If I had a product, I wouldn't take the stand of 
I believe in the free market, so I'm not going to patent my product. Mm. Never. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, right. you know, I, that's all you have right now for protection is the, the government system. And by the way, you know, I'm sure you already know this, but be very careful with the lawyers on this. Um, there are mm-hmm. these invention corporations out there that are looking for inventors that don't know um, the law. They don't understand what's going on, and they're looking to scam them out of their invention and get the patents themselves. So be very careful with that process. Yeah, but nonetheless, no, I actually found one of your advertisers and hooked up with them and they got me off to a really great start and laid things out for me and now I'm proceeding on my own. Okay. Well, uh, well that's good. Just a, you know, just a word of caution uh, because okay. it is a legal situation and the lawyers are very tricky. Um, but anyway, so I understand where you're coming from and it's hard to envision how the marketplace would protect these ideas. It really is. Um, some have suggested that the marketplace will shift to where idea people will be hired on by universities and there'll be this whole new paradigm for the creation of ideas and the ideas will be created by universities in order to get renowned and get more students in the future where manufacturers um, could take those ideas and manufacture them freely. So, I mean, how the marketplace would adjust and shift to the elimination of patents, you know, I can't really predict very well, but we can we can think about some uh, some concepts. For instance, you take your uh, your invention to some sort of company that helps you promote it to uh, to dealers. Let's say you want to get it onto store shelves at places like Walmart and uh, that sort of thing. In mm-hmm. which case, you take it to um, this company. You've got a non-disclosure agreement. You've got a contract that specifies that you know this is supposed to stay private between you and, and the company. They shop your invention around to different uh, potential buyers, different potential vendors in that like Walmart, for instance, that they'd go to their, their buyers and they'd show them, hey, we're, we've got this product, uh, we're interested in putting it on your shelves. Uh, and then Walmart would say yay or nay, and if Walmart came on board, then they would have to sign an agreement that says, okay, uh, we're going to offer this product, and uh, we, you know, we agreed to not offer a, a similar ripoff product for this amount of years, or something like that, um, to where then each individual company would get on board and essentially you'd have an agreement with them that they would be good little companies and not turn to the Chinese manufacturers two weeks later. So you're basically saying work it from a market uh, penetration standpoint before you release it to the general public. Right. And yeah, exactly. You get it You get it out there to the uh, to the vendors, the people that are going to be selling the product, and then you use them for the credibility that you need to say, hey, we were here first. This is the original widget. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that, that holds a lot of sway with certain buyers. Certain buyers, they're just not going to care. Uh, they're going to go right. and buy the ripoffs when, uh, when those come out. I mean, for instance, I saw in Walmart, I was at a, a super center once, and they had these like Easter baskets or something like that with different toys in them. And you could, they were just right up at the front of the store on display. And I noticed in there, I said... Those are Transformers. They actually had, uh, like, in the Transformers from the early 80s, the very first series, uh, Generation 1 from 1984, they had these uh, multiple robots that you could put together and make a bigger robot. Mm -hmm. And these things sold for a lot of money back then. Like the package where you got all six robots, you could buy them all separately, but they sold the package where you get them all. And they had that exact package with like almost the same artwork from the packaging, but it weren't, they weren't called Transformers in this in this Walmart thing that they had. It was a Chinese ripoff of a 1980s Transformer. 
I don't even think that was legal to that is even legal to sell at this point. I don't think the copyright has expired on just that. Just slid through. Right, it just got through. I think Hasbro would be pretty pissed off about it if they walked in, if the Hasbro rep walked into the store and saw that being sold on the shelves, they'd be having words with Walmart and Walmart would probably just be very embarrassed and pull those products from their shelves because if they don't pull those products from their shelves, then Hasbro is going to say, "Well, we're pulling our products." Uh, from your shelves. And so there's sort of this market interaction that goes on behind the scenes um, with, with companies that, that could help protect your, your, your idea. Okay. There I'm uh, going to set up the company and headquartered in Somalia. The tax code's pretty friendly there. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the call. We appreciate hearing from you, Sam. 800-259-9231 to Paul in Delaware. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian Amar. It's been a long time since we've heard from Paul. Yeah. Hey, Paul, what's up? Hey, Mark, how you doing, man? Good, sir. Hey, look, man, I really, as I sit here listening, right, um, I I really like kind of like your fairness, but I got to wonder sometimes, why are you here? And I also wonder, how do you deal with sitting next to Ian? But um, that's another (laughs) issue. I ask myself that every day. Yes, man, but um, I I was saying, I wanted to say a few things, but first, I appreciate you letting me speak. That's um, what's free talk first, live, Paul. Well, thank you. Um, I, I don't have a, a very big test subject base to, to test from, but I know four libertarians, and I know them personally, because um, they are friends, but they're not very, very close friends. Okay. And what I could say is it's not a very good test subject base, but I've listened to libertarian talk now and again, and I've heard them go from illegal aliens are bad to they want no borders, so I don't know what they want, but okay. But the thing is, these libertarians, I hear libertarians' point of view on Walmart and everything down the pike, and one thing that I see that there's a common thread, a correlation between my personal friends that I know in libertarianism, if you want to call it that, mm-hmm is that it's all about oneself to the point of no responsibility, no caring, because I, I know this, because um, I could tell you some things about my friends. We'll let but... you do that in a moment. Hang on, Paul. We'll bring you back, because it's important. Is it all about yourself? I think so. And is that a bad thing? No. We'll talk about it coming up. 800 259 This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. Only moments remain, however, so you might want to make a call now at 800-259-9231. We'll sneak you in. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online, freetalklive.com. All the features for free. We do ask that you voluntarily support the show by amping. Head over to amp.freetalklive.com. You'll find out that AMP stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. The idea is simple, that... You can support the show that, again, we give you all the website features for free, like, unlike those other radio talk shows that want to charge you. So considering that we give the show, uh, the show and the features out for free, we're just asking you to voluntarily support us for 3 bucks a month. Now, what we do is we take that money in and turn it around into promoting Free Talk Live, getting the show on more radio stations by advertising in industry publications, attending conventions and that sort of thing and also uh, spreading the word on the Internet as well. All the details are there for you. You'll also learn about some of the perks you get access to, like the Amplifier-only forums, call-in lines, and chat room. 
All of them are uh, all the infos there for you. Amp.freetalklive.com. You'll also learn how we're spending the money. I think you'd be pretty satisfied. I think you'd be pretty impressed with what the Amp program has accomplished so far and what we've got planned for the future. Do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? SACL CAI does collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep those clients, too. SACL CAI. Check out their banner at freetalklive.com or call 1-800-544-6359. Do business with businesses that support FTL. Let's go back to Paul in Delaware. You're back on Free Talk Live with Egan and Mark. Now, Paul, you had just begun telling us that you've got some friends in, in your life, and it's good to know you have friends, uh, that you've got friends that are libertarians, and from what you can understand, they some of your libertarian friends, they aren't quite... It doesn't sound to me like they're very principled, like they disagree on certain things, and that tends to be what you find amongst the libertarians is some disagreement on issues, but you, you boiled it down to that libertarians believe that the individual is pretty darned important, and that's where uh, where we left off in this last segment. Paul, yeah, MySpace, myspace.com slash awakenfree for all thinking individuals. Now, Regarding that issue, yes, it's about, it seems like it's about oneself to the uppermost levels. And, and it, it borders on self, selfishness. What's wrong with now, that? Well, that is their freedom. But um, from a logical point of view, you know, you try to like spin it and play it as though you know, I was trying to say that, you know, it's ridiculous for the self to be important. But there comes a point when you've got to have some social responsibility. And I don't mean like socialism. Mm -hmm. I don't even mean anything close to what we've got going on. I mean true freedom. You mean like helping other people? Yeah, and freedom to help other people. Now, I hear a lot of libertarians, and I've, I've heard their their depopulation about how there's too many people. Well, what? If that's their, well, I've heard many things. Libertarians, I've never known a libertarian to complain about that. Well, um, I question your, I question your for... friend's libertarianism, because most well, libertarians understand that uh, this this planet is isn't even close uh, to being overpopulated. That most, like 96, 97 percent of America uh, is completely rural. There's uh, there's no problem with population. And and uh, okay. and to rebut your your claims about the self being important, um, there are plenty of libertarians that are um, they contribute to charities, they help others on a voluntary basis. Libertarianism is all about volunteerism and uh, and helping people on a voluntary basis instead of having government come around, point guns at people, and confiscate money and claim that it's helping people. So plenty of libertarians are uh, are giving to charities but that's not necessary uh, necessarily a selfless act socialists would have you believe that selflessness is a good thing and i would suggest that it's impossible to be selfless you have to be selfish at all times it's how human beings operate even when you're giving hundreds of thousands of dollars to a charity you're being selfish because giving to charity makes you feel good right i gave well, no i gave thousands of dollars to a charity is. last year and i feel great about it no one would no one should trust you if that is your take on life. What do you mean by if it's that? About, if it's about yourself to the uppermost, like you're saying that that is your position, who should trust you? And your amp, it used to be marketing, so you wouldn't have advertising. Now it's turned to something totally different. No, it's still there. Well, no, no. It's still there. Okay. We, we still promote okay. it that way. 
Um, you can go to you can go to amp.freetalklive.com, and and the fact is we've we have reduced advertising um, on this right. show. Right, we've cut commercials out of this That's show. That's a good idea. That's a good idea, by the way. I like the the, the concept of instead of advertisement. Because you get so locked down in trying to sell someone's product to keep yourself on the air. Well, you know why? I mean, here's why that's selfish. It's selfish, even though we could have had that spot in there. We could have had that. We we cut a minute of commercials out of the out of the show every single hour. Last, I, mean, I think it was last year, about a year ago. And um, you know, I could make the argument that well, we need that spot so we can have revenue, and I I want to have all that revenue that'll come in. Well, it was a selfish move because having that commercial cut out of the show makes it so we've got more show time, meaning more listeners are likely to listen longer, thereby hearing more of the commercials that we do have. More radio stations are also more likely to pick up the show because we'll have less commercials than some other shows do that might want to get on their airwaves. So once again, a selfish move. And there's nothing wrong with, with being selfish, because being selfish inevitably means that you have to interact with other people, and you want those people to like you, so you do good things for them, in order to feel good about yourself, and it's it's all based out of selfishness. In fact, there's a philo- uh, philosophy, and I wish I knew what it was called, but it, it basically makes the argument that every action any human being takes is based in selfishness, and that that's a good thing, that there's nothing wrong with being selfish. There is something wrong with screwing people over and harming others, um, but that's that doesn't necessarily have to do with selfishness, because everything we do is selfish. If we weren't selfish, we wouldn't we wouldn't eat, we wouldn't sleep. Well, we need to take that, care of that, us first. There's that instinctual mechanism that oneself comes first, but um, you have to think about others too. And of course, you do. About of course. Others, by thinking about others, you actually actually help everyone. And um, that's why you know I think it shouldn't be to the uppermost levels of of self. I see where you're coming from, and Paul, thank you for the call. 800-259-9231. What else? I mean, where where can you go with that? You um, know, I think it is important to help others, but there's nothing selfless about that. It is a selfish act. Because that's good for you. Everything right. that people do, they ultimately do in order to make themselves feel better. Right. It's, it's not about the money. It's not about anything. Sometimes money makes me feel good. Often money makes me feel good. Here's the, here's the, this is one of the secrets of life. If you don't help others get what they want, you won't get what you want. Yeah, there are scam artists out there that'll try to rip people off in in order to get a short-term gain, but that doesn't go for very long. It doesn't last for very long, That those sorts of people. If you really want to be successful, if you want to be long-term successful, you have to make people happy. First and foremost. That's just a fact of life. So if you're... And, and that... It doesn't necessarily mean you're thinking about yourself. You are thinking about others. You are thinking about how to make others satisfied. Whether it uh, is Sam earlier, who was, uh, I think it was Sam with the intellectual, with the invention. Yeah, Sam from from Texas. It's Sam thinking that he wants to invent something to what? Make other people's lives better. Whether it be something to help them in their kitchen, something to give to their kids to enjoy, uh, so they'll enjoy a, a new toy, or whatever the invention is. If that invention doesn't help other people, then what good is it? It's it's not something you're going to be able to sell to anybody else if it doesn't help them. So again, he's thinking about others so that he, down the line, can actually get rewarded. 
Because if people buy his invention, then he'll profit, and then he'll take some of those profits and maybe invent something else that will help other people. So it's all about helping others first so that you can help yourself. Let's continue with the calls and talk to Mark in Texas. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, Mark. Mark? Going once? Mark? Are you there? We're here. What's on your mind? Okay, I want to talk about Alberto Gonzalez. Oh. The bottom line, I just really want to talk about uh, how he denies things. Like, uh, first of all, he, he, could, he can't recall even attending the meetings that, uh, where he fired those uh, eight federal prosecutors. Hmm. Then yes. uh, He has an amazing memory under, for a man in his, uh, uh, what is it, early 50s? Early 40s. Oh, okay. Yeah. He, looked yeah. he claimed then to have uh, forgotten 35 things today. Yeah, and then under more scrutiny, uh, he he has different versions of what happened. Uh, one of them, he he does he's basically has he said he almost had no involvement, and then uh, under further uh, probing, he later acknowledges uh, that his role was larger. I mean, what's next? Later, he's gonna just it's pretty much he'll just admit whatever he's caught, uh, and pretty much not even that. And uh, the thing is. I mean, well, about Alberto Gonzalez is he's a scumball that uh, works for the Bush administration. Right. When, you, when you kick him out, um, Bush, the Bush administration is just going to put some other scumball in there. <laughs> yeah. So what's the, really the that, point? Let me. Another thing that I was going to say was, yeah, he's the obvious thing is this. What they need to do is just clean up and clean house. I mean, this guy but is it won't make any like difference. They can clean house. They'll yeah. only replace them with more scumbags. Thanks and, for the call. Yeah. We're out of time. It's been Ian here with you. And Mark. We'll see you tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. Do you like to build things? Have you ever cut wood with a tool? Are you tired of poor quality goods found in the Megalomart? If you answered yes to any of these questions, woodcraftplans.com has a fun project for you to make. We have hundreds of blueprints and patterns which can help all skill levels of craftspeople make wooden lawn furniture, bedroom furniture, yard decor like wishing wells and shadow figures, rocking horses, and a lot more. Visit woodcraftplans.com today. Get a plan and start building. That's woodcraftplans.com. 